Rouge 45, the peculiar, the paranormal, and Pinot Noir. Welcome back to Rouge 45. You are here with Emily. And Chola. We are actually together today mm-hmm. for the first time in the first one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we only recorded one line. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, we've cool. seen each other since, but, um, it, you know, but that's been quite recently. In fact, I was over here yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we hope everyone had a good holiday break. Mm-hmm. It was know. nice. It was nice having all the holidays on like a Friday. You know, and I feel like, you know, everyone kind of feels obligated to not admit this, but like, Okay, you couldn't see family this year. Yeah, I you know, it's a big fucking <laughs> cry fact. But, like, every come on, you kind of fucking... We were it. all happy. Yeah, we were like, all happy. We just didn't were, like, in your pajamas, <laughs> like, eating shit food and, like, just... Mm-hmm. I mean, that the fact that we got to do that, it was amazing. Yeah, because it's never going to happen again. No, and <laughs> it really worked out for us. We um, I complained about this on the PWP podcast. Um, so uh, my kids' school, two people, two of the children test positive for um, COVID-19 and due to CDC regulation, I mean, they're really strict at kindergarten. So they like just, they're like, nope, we're done for two weeks. And we're like, okay, what the fuck do we do? Well, they were like, so you got to quarantine. So because of that, I couldn't be like, someone come watch my kid and be possibly both. Yeah, exactly. You know, he wasn't, but, like, there was always that small, tiny possibility. Right, just because they're all in the same building. Yeah, so, um, and they go through the same door. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I couldn't have anyone over there. I couldn't send them to a different facility because we weren't allowed. And they'd be like, you know, go home. So I hung out with them the whole day. And then I worked from 4 p.m. to 1230 a.m. And I, like, wanted to just die every day. I would, like, just stare out the window during my uh, lunch break at 930 p.m. and just cry. And I know people work. I can just imagine you, like, from the outside of the window just, like, Oh, I know. Because, like, during the day, I have the window open so I can, like, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, but now. Now everybody can see in and I know people work um second and third shift and like my sister's like don't you love these hours because like she works nights and I, and I was like no mm-hmm. I don't really not what I have to like be up all day it'd be different if you could like sleep half the day and yeah then work at night yeah or if I but... you know like I could get used to them but like just the nature of my job and like everything that I needed to like communicate had to wait like a 24 hour because nobody was there I was just like this fucking shit so I was really happy that we did not a goddamn thing because by that mm-hmm. point I was fucking over it and I didn't want to see anyone I just wanted to like be half alive on the couch and watch Dominic like play yeah well and also I'm the type of person who would rather wake up at like four and be done working at two yeah. mm-hmm. than like me start too. at four me too yeah I, I agree though yeah, it, it was great, though. The holidays were great. I mean, yeah. even though the, the day after Christmas, I was like, I'm taking everything down. Because <laughs> I just knew if I didn't, I'd, like, think about it. But, yeah, it was nice. We just, I Zoomed with my family and FaceTimed with, yeah, with, us and, with them and everything. Yeah. And it was good. Uh, yeah. And then New Year's was good. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this case happened. We're doing Michael Allen today. And I don't even know how to say, fortunately, unfortunately, passed away. I go... Back and forth every 15 minutes being like, I fucking hate this guy. To like, oh, you know what? Me, you know, like, I. It's okay, t- yeah. It's I, I totally know what you mean. Like, you're. He was charismatic. Yeah, well, he was just like, he, you would kind of want to be his friend. But at the same time, you're like, you're kind of a huge dick. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I'll get into this more, but like, this happened when I was on um, like 13, 14, or like, you know, preteen to tween, you know, like all of this club kid stuff. So it was, it was in the part of my life where, you know, I was old enough to understand what had happened. I was old enough to understand like a scene, like a music scene. Mm -hmm. And that was like, 
kind of instrumental for me and my friends and even even people that are older because we were like figuring out like I I, I kind of started out in this and then I went way dark but like you were gonna be a club kid well no I would kind of friends with and then I was like <laughs> I'm more into like the industrial dark like you know like whatever anyway but the thing was like it was like that time period in like a kid's like you know mm-hmm. so we all knew about it we all watched it happen we all watched the talk shows with them coming out and i remember like minneapolis is okay we're in the midwest but it's a pretty solid music scene here so like we had some of the like the emulation of the new york and the, mm-hmm. the coast well, especially being yeah being so close to new york and yeah yeah also. yeah so it, it was like kind of um a little more prominent here and like i don't know people got into it more so it's like like, influenced from it a yeah, lot. Yeah, so it wasn't just, like, you know, when people think of the Midwest, they think of Fargo, or they think, you know what I mean? They think of, like, just, like... <laughs> That's totally what I thought before I yeah, moved here. you know, I'd, like, it, never been to Minneapolis, and I was like, it's gonna be nothing but, like, oh, don't you know? <laughs> oh. But, but I mean, it is way, like, when we go up north, oh, or when yeah. we go out west, yeah, but not, like, not right here. It was, yeah. You know, there's actually people. So, I had been... I don't know, revisiting the subject and, like, reading things and listening to things. And I was just getting into, like, this fucking party monster hole. And then, <laughs> and it, like, cognitive learning, you know? Just, like, every day I would listening to this shit. And then that fucking shit at the Capitol happened. And, mm-hmm. like, everything just went out of my mind. And I, like, didn't even, like... I mean, it kind of came back, but I had to, like, take, like, you know, 36 hours to, like, like calm down. Like, reread everything. Like, and okay. You know, I mean... Yeah, so. Okay, so like I mentioned, Michael Alec today, um, he did pass away on Christmas Day, and it was, uh, I think right now, I'm not sure if the report came out, his toxicology report, but they said everything I read, you know, because I stopped reading when Capital got, um, <laughs> everything that I read up until that point said that it was an accidental heroin overdose. Now, if that was accidental or not, or, you know, who knows? The sources for this were the Glory Days documentary, Party Monster the Shockumentary, um, the Pew, the Misery Machine podcast, the Terrafinia podcast, the Limelight, a bunch of articles, you know, out of the Village Voice, Huffing Post, Murderpedia. I mean, there's a ton. And all of the podcasts I listen to are really, really great, too. And um, I listened to one, too. I think the last one that I listened to um, was the one where it was with him. Uh, Talk Murder to Me had one. And then it was If I Ruled the World. And then the It Factor with Michael Alec on it. And I'm not sure when that one came out because I closed my tab and um, it was pretty sobering. And then he, after he came out, I'm, we're going we're gonna to go back through all of this. Uh, he had a YouTube show with Ernie Glam. He was a club kid too. And they kind of, it was like Michael getting acclimated back into the world and, you know, and, and all this stuff happened. And then Ernie came out and did, and did a statement about passing. And it was just the most like, depressing thing that I've ever watched or listened to we'll get into it but um (laughs) without further ado before i talk about any of this i want to know emily your impression now i'm 40 i'll be 42 this year and you'll be 32 33 33 okay so we're nine years apart Mm -hmm. that's a big deal Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like for us to hang out or anything but like to go (laughs) back we can't associate (laughs) just to go back through like pop culture and like well i was 17 when the murder happened i don't know but like but like when all the 
93, I started mm-hmm. going to First Avenue, which was like the scene in Minneapolis. And yeah, so I was like four. Yeah, and I was 13, <laughs> 14, you know, I was pretty young. But like we, like I saw these fucking club kids. And I, honestly, I was kind of always irritated by it. But, but that's because I like the darker shit. But like, mm-hmm. you know, like so when that came out, it was kind of like, you know, the whole um, half the end. Okay, so, okay, New Order, Joy Division, the British like that whole new wave kind of moved to America mm-hmm. and it kind of not that it and that's not going to be different from anybody that you talk to like everyone's like now Paul Johnson and the house scene in Chicago and other people like hockey and the new wave kind of that like electro music came mm-hmm. here and then tramp and all these different genres of techno music electronic music okay so a lot of that they weren't the same but they were kind of in the same place like all the punks and the club kids and the goths and the dark nighters and you know the ravers which are different you know they are they kind of congregated in the same place but you all had your different branches mm-hmm. but like you kind of heard a lot of that same music in like one night mm-hmm. and actually the night that we would go to would be sunday night dance party when we were under 18 <laughs> and then for on saturday or dance deteria that was the night at first avenue and that would and dance deteria is actually the name of a really famous club in new york we all kind of Went there, you know, bright-eyed and like, huh? You know, and, and, and everything kind of resonated with us individually. No, it was fun to watch. So that was happening in the early 90s. Now, you have a whole different, like, uh-huh. like and I know that, but I wasn't part of it. But I love uh-huh. to ask kids about it, and especially our uh, brother-in-law, Mark, because he was kind of, like, in the that perfect, like, weird emo oh yeah oh we like, so this is totally off yeah topic but we were at their house for a fire like yeah you know before lockdown or whatever mm-hmm. um and they were doing like this quiz on like buzzfeed or something like how emo are you yeah and mark, mark got like a hundred percent yeah and it was like 20 i was like that, i was not an that emo was the thing to, like so Eric is a little bit younger than me, but he was still kind of, like, in my wheelhouse of music a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Mark would, like, I, I he must just fucking just be like, oh, my God, Charlotte, would you show? And I'm <laughs> always asking him about this shit. And, like, a lot of the bands, just not my cup of tea, and I love mm. the shit on them. And, 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 and he, But I kind of like to do it just because I want to, he doesn't give a fuck what I think. But, like, I love it. And, and I'll sometimes make Eric watch, like, hours of eyeliner and, like, crying about girls in a forest <laughs> with, like, glitter. Like, it's like the, it, it, it's like the legend movie. It's, um, fuck, is it, um, we'll get back to Michael Allig, I promise, but I just want to, <laughs> the tangent too good, um, there's AFI and there's, like, American Rejects, I don't know, all and, American, like, Chemical Is it Will- all American Rejects? Is that the Yeah, band? sure. See, Chemical, I didn't really, yeah. my, I had, like, a friend who listened to all that, so I'd, like, yeah. kind of hear it, because she liked it a lot, yeah. but that, like, yeah, I, like, the, listened to all, Charlotte, like, The Cure, The Strokes, like, I listened to the music, like, Smashing Pumpkins, for you. I listened to the music yeah. my brothers listened to. So, and that's me, too, I always, was, I was, like, mm-hmm. that I should be born, like, a decade before mm-hmm. I was, but, like, that, all of the good, Char- like, I, I always, like, combine them all, and they're, like, <sighs> I could, I could not tell you. They're, the like, they're totally <laughs> different, and I was, like, well, they're no, all horrible. they're basically like, all one with, like, the dark hair pushed over one eye. Like the, the guy liner and like, it, it's just I love it. I we should do a whole episode on. Anyway, it's do. fun. Anyway, okay, so okay, I have uh, two or three questions. First okay. of all, what I'm gonna save him to the left. Okay, that fucking mom. Oh my god! Wow. Watch shockumentary because it's wow. Just her opening statement. You're just like she's. A piece of work. She seemed like a great and, mom. And then you laugh hysterically. I know. You know I, like I, I almost like couldn't take her seriously. No, I was like, 
I feel kind of bad. But right. And I don't remember if that Shaq you mentioned was the one that, where the brother was in it. No. Mm-mm. Okay. I watched an interview with him, um, and he is, like, the most normal human ever. He's kind of like a dick. I mean, not a dick, but, like, just a... Like, you're so fucking normal. The one thing, though, that I was kind of like, wow, you're, like, um, a card. No, not a card. A square. And your brother just completely off the handle. But the fact that that fucking mom Raised them both? Yeah. Okay, so what did you... The mom? Yeah, the mom was... She was fucking insane. (laughs) She was... No. (laughs) What did you think about, like, the fashion of it? Like, their club kid clothes? or Yeah, because some of them I thought were like, huh. Well, I loved it. So there was one part in the documentary where one of the old club kids was, like, showing their old outfits. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. You'd go in this as, like, a robot. A crazy robot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you could put glitter everywhere. Yeah, I, that, that. That. I was like, okay, their outfits were extreme. But, like, it'd be kind of fun. You're, like, in this yeah. persona. And you're, like, I don't yeah. know. They're crazy. Yeah. I, I particularly loved, like, all the assless yeah. Outfits. You oh, yeah, hearts. Yeah, they yeah. had. <laughs> yeah, those were fun. Okay, so, and then I want your opinion just on Michael Alec. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him. I feel like everybody in their life at some point knows someone like that. Okay, he's like... Charismatic. Char- Char- oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of... Anything. Yeah, he's, he is. He's charismatic. He's seems to be, like, the type of person who could get you to do anything. Yeah. Like, and fun. Yeah. Like, someone in the docu- or the documentary was saying, like... You kind of want that person around you. Like, he's not perfect. He's not normal. He's just... He's doing everything for, like, a shock factor. And yeah. Just and everything you don't want to yeah. see in a person, almost. Yep. Does yep. that make any sense? Yep. And I think, like, when you're older, like, now I, I just find it irritating. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, I wouldn't did, be able to be around I kind of did just because I, I think I was always more of the... I mean, okay, like, I was more into the dark shit, right? So I was more of, like, I want to just watch everything. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was just and like, oh. just like, look at me. You know, but I me. feel like that, too. Like, there's just no fucking, like, attention. I hate... I don't do good with attention horns. Mm-hmm. And it may be because I never was one. And yeah. I understand the notion. Like, I get it. But it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, how much do you need? And yeah. Like, like, it seemed to be constant and over the top and just like... But they, they had too. They're like, it didn't matter if it was good or bad. Attention's attention. And yeah. I'm like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. To actually feel that way. I mean, people say shit like that, but to actually feel that way? Like, so we're just okay, going to get into okay. it. But I just wanted to th- have Emily, like, okay, I'm going to get into it now. Sorry, guys. We haven't been together in this sort of environment. We had the kid <laughs> yesterday, and today we don't have the kid. I mean, they're, well, one at home. We like, don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Michael Alec. He was born in South Bend, Indiana on April 29th, 1966. He was the second kid to John and Elk Alec. Elky, Elk, I don't know. His, uh, his mom was from Germany, which you could kind of tell with her accent, which is kind of cool. And her dad was a computer programmer, and he was uh, kind of, you know, just... I think he was a dad of that generation. That's what I got from what everyone said. Like, he, he wasn't a, a complete fucking dick, but he, he was a computer programmer. I grew up... My dad was into the computer business, and they were just... They were very... Uh, everything data, and if the data doesn't align, we get mm-hmm. upset, and you don't... You know, empathy's not their strong <laughs> suit. So they actually grew up without their dad because their mom and their dad divorced when they when Michael was four. He wasn't around very much after that, and he wasn't exactly thrilled with Michael's flamboyant. Now that even pre out as a gay man, 
just the, the flamboyant personality. I mean, he was just bouncing off the wall. You know, I'm sure he was just like a little hyperactive kid. Then. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Like the opposite of his dad. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so he wasn't around much. So Michael's mom raised them. She had to, you know, oftentimes scrape together money. She worked multiple jobs. <clears throat> and so it was, it was kind of your, you know, your single parent, single mom mm-hmm. with two boys that are different. I mean, we've heard about it. You know, I can imagine it was pretty tough at times. So one thing that the all of the articles and the documentaries and everything else they love to and, and I hate and Keith in general they're like he was just so smart he's just such a shame he was so hey, smart he was such a bright he boy he was like, in the top eight percent of his class it's like oh not like the people who are dumb they're just less dead like it doesn't like oh she was really nice <laughs> But it was such a shame for him. He yeah, because he could have done so much. Yeah, with his like, I just, I fucking love it. It's just, like, everyone's just like, ah, she had a great smile. Um, <laughs> you know, okay, but he was very smart. He was cunning. And he did end up being in the top 8% of his class. And he was, so he was bullied a little bit, but he was also really cunning. He, he They called him Michael the Candyman. He would do this thing where he and his mom would, like, go to, like, the thrift store or something. And, um, well, I'll just turn my chair. Just sit back down. The, the... I'm just being melted by this song. It's fine. Um, the um, his mom and he would they would go to the thrift store and buy like this was on the documentary too like candy bars like you know like five for a dollar. Then he would sell them around school for like an inflated price and he made a lot of money. But then that's like smart. I would never like yeah, hustling like, like, candy like, bars. Like he had like the you know a good businessman, good salesman, and I guess it, sh- it prevailed throughout his career. And. Um, <laughs> quote unquote yeah and so and then you know the principal found out and they he stopped it but like you know he had some drive he like i said he was really smart it was such a shame anyway he uh had a good gpa he after high school he went to new york to uh fordham university it's prestige it's not ivy league it's a few notches down but to even be considered you had to have like a 3.6 grade Point average, which is, like, good. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, like, more than just, like, academic, you had to have, like, extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. and stuff, too. So he he got a scholarship to there. I believe it was a scholarship. And uh, so that was pretty, like... I, you know, I mean, okay, yeah. So he he was a smart person, but uh, you know, like even if he was dumb as rock, that he would have mattered the same. <laughs> yeah. But I I guess the important part of this is that you know because he went to the uh, college in New York, the, the kind of what got him to the place of where everything happened. But in an interview, he he had. I mean, he he knew of New York. You know, obviously in the scene. Um. So he went to Fordham and that's where he met the boyfriend of uh, the artist Keith Herring he was like a pop graffiti artist and he was like he had um, a lot of controversial art but a lot of it became known for like the safe sex and AIDS awareness campaign so Michael was introduced to him through the boyfriend and uh, eventually he dropped out of Fordham and he um, got a job at Dance Interior which was like a really well-known nightclub and they had like seven locations or something and, it, and all of the it was kind of kind of a mecca for like the misfit elf children right you know like all the punk gays you know so I'm Steve gonna himself. stop right there on Michael because okay so he all he entered the scene so what had happened is that right before Michael became indoctrinated into the scene is that New York nightlife was dying out first of all New York in the 70s and 80s fucking terrible Times Square was just like a red light district it was just like porn like I, I, I for those of you who are into like 80s metal um the band Queen's they Operation Mind Crime like 
their songs, like it, it's, it's a concept album, but they talk about just how fucking gritty Times Square is. And it's just like, I always, I thought about that when I was here listening to stuff about the case because there was uh, nudie shows everywhere and fucking fat clubs. And... I had like no idea that it was like Yeah, that. I mean, it sounds great. Like, it does. Right? It's like Amsterdam's. Yeah, but before, Am- I mean, but Amsterdam Red Light District is like Disneyland. It's like, oh, yeah. Bring your kids. <laughs> See them boom. Look like, at them. Yeah, look at them through the know, window. But like, you know, and the crime was just fucking out of control and like there were parts that weren't even policed and yeah like all the shitty mm-hmm, cops and, yep and like the you know this was in the 70s and 80s when well, like it was just such a big drug scene too yep drugs and the, the like AIDS epidemic was just starting you know mm-hmm. that was like in the mid like early to mid 80s and then just went rampant and um this was definitely a time too and it's really sad and unfortunate but and it wasn't that long ago but like you know certain members of society couldn't get help they would seem as less dead when they were murdered or less important mm-hmm. less than human and obviously those are minorities and people of subcultures and of sexual orientation that isn't mm-hmm. heterosexual yeah so, they just like wouldn't be investigated yeah. and... so it was just a fucking crazy time in new york andy warhol they had a lot of like studio 54 and cbgb like all of these clubs that were mm-hmm. iconic and when he was in, you know, that you had the superstars and a lot of them were celebrities. And then you had like the gla- the whole night eighty glam thing. And like you always see pictures of like Cher, Madonna, David Bowie, but all those people were hanging out in New York and everything. And then, and this was kind of you know, coinciding with this bullshit Gary time in New York. And then Andy Warhol died. Everyone was going to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, people, there was no, like, um, there was no prestige nightlife in New York Right, anymore. it was like all the rich people, and then yeah. they all kind of yep. vacated. Until someone came in and rejuvenated all of that. I wonder who. I wonder who that was. Okay, we're going to take a little break for some wine and maybe a, a little sponsor action. Commercial break. Ah! Hey, you thinking about making your own podcast? Thought about it. Well, if you are, try out Anchor. Anchor? <laughs> oh my God. Yes, Emily, Anchor. As you can tell, we've done this a lot before. Oh, wait. No, we haven't. We're learning. We're learning with everybody else who hasn't done this before. And Anchor was super easy to use. Not only is it free, it distributes your podcast on every pe- platform. It's totes easy to use. Neat. Go use it. Do it. Mr. Positivity Wolfie T here to tell you about the Positively Wolfie podcast, where we provide unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Join me and a co-host as we provide a non-serious take on silly, strange, or just plain dumb news headlines and stories. Look for me on Twitter at PositivelyWolf1 and find the Positively Wolfie podcast on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. We're back for Chola's fun episode of Michael Alex. Alex. Okay. So we talked about New York being, you know, 
red light district. Andy Warhol just died. We're all sad. We're all going to LA because it's a better city. Anyway, <laughs> and then um, Michael had dropped out of Ford him and he, you know, was introduced to Keith Harrington and like circle of a bunch of important people. Now this next part is going to read a little bit like a book report, I think. It's going to sound like that. It's just, there's enough players that need to be mentioned because they were all there, but it's it's not confusing. It's just, you know, unless you watch the documentary, you knew, uh, know about all these people. It's a lot of name dropping. Okay. So there was this affluent kid from Michigan named James St. James, James. And he was like a celebutant. He was into the club there and he was well known. He became friends with Michael Alec and he actually kind of mentored him into becoming more embedded within the scene. And he introduced him to all these people. And I think through him and his roommate or friend, Keith Herring's boyfriend, he, or Michael, sorry, Michael was able to get jobs in the club. And he would be like the a busboy at a club. And he worked at several of them. And one of the clubs that he wanted to work at was owned by a, or by a man named Peter Gation. And he did not like Michael. He thought he was irritating, and Michael wanted to work at a club. He wanted to throw parties, and he just kind of haggled him. And was just like, okay, you know, if he if he fucked up, I'll get rid of him. And you know, if he does okay, well, yeah, you know, I don't get rid of his him. Like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> so he finally gave in and, and gave him a night and gave him like so he like gave him like a party to plan. Yeah, yeah, okay. and he you know kind of to promote, and so apparently he was amazing. He, he had all of these ideas and he would canvas the city with direct copies and there was no internet and there was no, you know, cell phone. So everything was word by mouth. And, th- you know, this is where I didn't do a deeper dive and I kind of wish I would have. And I remember some of the interviews on the talk show when, like, so he would have these flyers made. He would make them himself and then he would hand them out and post them everywhere. And it was kind of like the rave culture you know like those like when raves were illegal i remember going to a few of them and <laughs> i'm sure my parents were really happy to they know but you know here at least and the thing was so he had these nights at peter gation club and and they were big parties but then he also had this other stuff where he would hand out flyers or word by mouth and then you'd, you'd meet at a location and there'd be a party mm-hmm. so that was really like interesting to me because that was kind of like rave culture and like there's a lot of like back yeah, and like forth. Yeah, like a secret location yeah. where you kind of have to Yeah, and there's a lot of back and forth if like uh, on rather club kids and club culture then was actually rave culture and it, it definitely mixes but mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, no, it's not for them. I get that. And one thing I found interesting too is Michael was like, I, you know, the music was never that important to him, but it was getting really important to, like, the scene. Mm-hmm. And he goes on later in other interviews, like, he was, like, a hardcore and a punk kid, you know, at one point. And so I found that kind of interesting, like, oh, but you're, like, you know, into this club thing, which is, like, no, but mm-hmm. whatever. They had put on more of, like, a show. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Like, yep. there'd be, like, a theme and a show than just, like, a rave where you just, like, show up and like, get dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that and that was a lot of, you know, and the drug thing comes into play. So he became kind of the center of the scene, and he was really good at thinking up ideas, and he was really into horror movies. So, like, they always talk about his, um, uh, what's it, blood fest? The blood fest parties or 
I forgot. It was not on the documentary. It was like yes. after a movie that he and his mom would watch. So he became the center of the scene. He haggled Peter Gation into letting him work. And then Peter Gation, I mean, they became close, you know? And so um, as far as like his entourage and inner circle goes, it was James St. James, who we talked about. He was a very, very affluent kid and he was into Andy Warhol and. He actually moved to Michigan to become like a celebrity and he could because he was kind of rich. He was he famous for saying someone was asking him like describe the the style or whatever, and he's like it is uh, part drag, part clown, and part infl- infantilism. I can't say that word, <laughs> but it was true because I remember that like pacifiers were a big thing. Like oh, like I'm a baby, like just whatever. Okay, so he was <gasps> in the inner circle. Ernie Glam, he was the one who would go on to have the the PU, a pew, pew show with Michael after Michael got out of prison. A girl named Gitzy, and she was portrayed by Chloe. The kid, seven, I don't know. The, she was in Kids, she's in Sister Wife, she's like, um, she, she was an American Horror Story, right? seven years, seven, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And she was actually, I guess, like a club kid. Like, I, she was in one of the documentaries. She, she was oh my kitchen. god. Yeah, she, she was. She was in the shockumentary, and I was just like, is she okay? Yeah, yeah. She Super, died. Like, yeah. But then Locked Chloe the went to, like, play her in the movie, and then, but she actually, like, hung out with all of these guys, because she was, like, doing movies and modeling mm-hmm. in New York. So, apparently, it was kind of a weird thing when she was in that movie with Macaulay Culkin, because she was like, I know. I lived it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jenny, T- genitalia. She was on a talk show a lot too. Well, don't think James St. James. Um, I'm sorry, but that's just that's genitalia. Like yeah, it was like, oh, like, what Jenny up, drag queen? Yeah. And she was like, she reminded me of the girl that I knew that worked at Heartbreaker. Anyway, um, she, like, she was pretty abrasively charismatic. They interviewed a bunch. Um, <laughs> superstar DJ Kiyoki. The I found unfortunate. Like, we saw Kiyoki a bunch of times, like, after all of this had happened. And uh, I don't know. I guess I just never got into his style of music. But they, these are the superstars. But oh, Amanda Lepore, which she's really big, everyone knows, you know. She, um, I uh, I forgot what her actual, what she actually identified then, but I think she identified the trans, but I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm not sure. And um, she was on the talk show, too, and it's it fun. I mean, she's known for her plastic surgery. Dream. So she was there from the from the beginning. Charlie Dash Preston, Joshua Davis, uh, Moby. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Richie Rich, who was, um, he was a figure skater, and he became a producer and, like, a fashion oracle. Uh, Robert, quote-unquote, free the rig, the, the roommate that helped uh, Michael chop up Angel. Angel, the drug dealer, he went in there too. RuPaul came out of the club kid and noted about paper. So all these kids, they were on, you know, like, Geraldo, Donahue, Joan River, Jenny Jones. They threw parties, like, the limelight, that was Peter Gation Club, and, uh, like, the Palladium, 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 whatever, the tunnel, <laughs> and, oop, and, other, and then, so, in addition to throwing parties at the big club, Michael would also throw the outlaw parties, which I'm talking about, like, when he would, like, canvas the city, and, um, like, the 
ones that were most notorious but there was one at Dunkin Donuts McDonald's Subway there was this one and I, they did it in the movie and I they showed footage like actual footage from it they did it they had it on a Subway platform oh my god and I jumped nearly had a heart attack I was like I'm so attack. surprised nobody got pushed onto the rails yeah or had like a panic, just a heart attack like I yeah just, they were like shoulder to shoulder it was insane yeah it was horrible and um I try, I, I'm trying to think of this guy's name it wasn't Michael Mucto but it was the guy who was with him Nelson something okay Michael Mucto was like a he was in the scene and he would like cover the club kids and everything but there was this one party they had at the McDonald's they're supposed to be at the Burger King but then it went to the McDonald's and there's footage <laughs> of it on YouTube and it, the columnist and his friend and the they just took over this McDonald's. And it, it was just really weird. It was just, you know, it was a two-story McDonald's in New York. It's huge, but it, it was just like this party. And Can you imagine these, just, like, working there and, like, yeah, all these like, fucking Christ. Like, and I mean, you know, and in that one, not a lot of people were dressed incredibly out of control. Mm-hmm. But I, in fact, it was really weird. I thought, I looked at it. I'm like, this is like very like new, new romantic, like Mark Almond fan, 80 kind of tainted love shit, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, that's what they looked like. They didn't look like the crazy kids, but then again, they weren't like in a big club. They mm-hmm. were just maybe, you know, they didn't have that many hours to pull together a fabulous outfit. <laughs> So he did though, and they were like kind of essentially rave because you know, like it was a like hidden location until like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And then- I love that it was like McDonald's though, like of all places, like super well lit. <laughs> Lots of burgers. Yeah, they want a Dunkin' Donuts. And I, you know, it's just... No, I know. It made me want donuts, so... Yeah. So, one thing that people always are not... Or that are... They're miseducated about or they think are... Is that he was just a huge drug addict. Always. That's and what that, I thought. And that's what... <laughs> he wasn't... He didn't do drugs until the end. Huh. He liked to be in control. He would fake it a lot. And he admitted that he would fake being fucked up so he could, like... Don't control the situation, but, like, being fucked up. And I've, I've heard of other people doing that. Well, and it almost seems like an attention thing, too, right? Like, he's right. like, these parties are so awesome. I'm so fucked up. Like, did you hear what Michael did last week? You should go to the party and watch him be crazy. Yeah. I don't know. It's so that like, does come into play. It, it seems like a marketing tag yep. to me. <laughs> so, right. He didn't do drugs right away, but he liked having control and seeing what he could make people do. Like, watch you. So he would, like, get $100 bill. And he would just throw them into the crowd and he would just watch people fight eat over them. Like, oh my God. You know, for his amusement. I mean, I wouldn't not do that. Yeah. And he he did the whole drinking urine thing and he would urinate on the crowd and it was just mm-hmm. kind of like, and he was terrible, but it was funny or he could make people do yeah. this. Okay. Um, side note to that. I don't know if you mentioned it in the shockumentary when they mentioned him peeing on this waitress like from like a balcony onto a waitress and she was like devastated and like crying in the office and she got fired yeah and he didn't yeah because he he could just do whatever he wanted yeah because he brought so many people Mm -hmm. in it was just like and that was the thing and people are like oh yeah he could just do whatever he wanted i'm like what a fucking dick like Mm -hmm. and 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 what what i love though and i forgot who it was there's one dj he was just like i just fucking hated him he was so irritated do you remember i don't know if you were in the shockumentary or glory days you were just like oh and here comes michael alec and he did and like he was just so irritated i'm like i think i'm a little more like you like Mm -hmm. i like to watch the guy fascinates me but like how could you not it's like watching a car crash but you like yeah He's irritating, but people, you know, he was the it guy. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, that must have been real irritating for some people. <laughs> like, 
Because you, like, had to like him. Yeah. So he, you know, drugs are blamed for a lot of his bad behavior, but... Didn't come in until later. Yeah, and that's what he said. He's like, people thought I was always on drugs, but I won, and I was just, you know, kind of a dick. That, yeah, that kind of, like, so he, baffles me. Yeah, he went to rehab a bunch of times when he did finally do drugs, and drugs played a big part in the murder and all that kind of stuff. And uh, after he came out of rehab, I think for the last time before all of the awful events unfolded, he was fired for drugs. So while he was in rehab, I think it was one of the times, he was diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder. It's the extreme need for attention. And you go to extreme, like extreme behavior. Everything had to be over the top. And um, so, and the, the, what his doctor said he was the most extreme case. He'd never seen of this. Yeah, Which it in itself, explains a lot. Like, me, 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 I'm the worst. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, fuck. You know, and then I thought about it like, I know a lot of attention whores and like, but most of them are insecure. Yeah. It's like that pseudo ego. Like mm-hmm. I have to put like, I'm trying to convince myself that I'm, you know. Yeah. Like over the top. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met anyone that actually had this. That's. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because I wonder if you like hung around. Because like usually when you hang out with someone with a huge ego, you can totally pick them apart because like there's inconsistencies and there's like the weird like you never they never look in your eyes or their mm-hmm. their story change or they're they're damaged. You know, you know, like that kind of weird. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, I think that would be a weird person to be around if you. Really didn't right. Ha- so he's in the you know club scene, and um, what happened was so when Giuliani became the mayor, his initiative was to clean up the city, clean up the drug prop. You know, so things started getting a little bit like, ah, oh, shit, we can't. You know, drugs didn't run as rampant, or you started had to be more careful. And this, okay, so this is coinciding the same time as all of the club stuff is going on. So they're trying to clean up New York. As I mentioned before, uh, Andre Angel Melendez, he was a drug dealer, which was in Michael Allen Circle, and he was one of two, rigged, free, being the other one. Um, but he had actually ended up living with Freed, being his roommate. But those were the two people he kept around him all the time. And so what happened was with the crackdown of the, the drug in the club weren't like as available. And so he wasn't able to deal in them as much. He had been dealing in Peter Gation's club, and Peter knew it. Whether he did not, he denied. He went back and forth like that. He would a lot. He knew that drug use was going on in clubs, mm-hmm. and honestly, at some point, like it was so rampant that like people would just like go around being like bump bumping people up, and they they'd have like drug counters. You know, I mean, it got really bad. Yeah. You know, like and this was was before and during, and you know when Michael was not using drugs and using drugs. So the police are coming down on all of it. So all of a sudden, Angel has to deal drugs like a normal drug dealer. He doesn't have all of this, like, access to people just wanting them in the club. He's, like, a small-time drug dealer. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't just, like, you know, he had to sell product to get product to push product. Well, I'm sure he was getting, like, a ton of product because everybody's getting Mm -hmm. it in the club. And then it dies down, and you're like, what do we do with that? You have to buy it sell it for an inflated price. I get it. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) One thing about Peter that I wanted to I wanted to mention because Peter's he, the club owner. Yeah, and yeah. he comes in the story a little bit more later. Is that so? He owned the club, and and Michael Allen just you know built him an empire because these were struggling. Like the limelight was the cool 
old church. Like, yeah. Where, it was cool, but it, like, apparently it was growth. And the, I forget that the 80s was not the 90s or, like, the midnight. You know, like, when, like, that would have been awesome. I would have loved that. But, like, the mm-hmm. 80s was, like, fabulous and glam. Like, I can see where, like, some of these venues did not become a f- yeah. anyway so he was really smart though so like he knew about all of this stuff you know allegedly but he wouldn't hang out so like he was smart not to be right he's like, like i'm the, the owner but i'm not gonna partake yeah, he would in, like, like come down and like say hey have a little drink and then he, he would disappear mm-hmm. so it's like he kind of protected himself from being like a full-blown like well we took a picture of you there's footage of you doing a line off someone's back you know <laughs> that kind of thing so, Angel was, I feel bad for him. He was a, he immigrated from Colombia to New York when he was eight with his parents. And he became, you know, a drug dealer and a club kid. And I don't, I think, I think he would, he would more into the punk theme before. I think, but you know how the, everything kind of meshed. He was known, known for his feathered wings. And he was on all the talk shows. He was really pretty. He was really cute, I thought. Mm-hmm. And he, some people thought he was just really sweet and kind of, kind of insecure and quiet. And other people, like my guy, Alec, you know, before, he just, no. You know, he was horrible if you owed him money. Well, you know, to being a drug dealer. You yeah. gotta, like... <laughs> you owe you other people some, money. You have to have something, you know, have to have something to, like, be intimidating to, like, get people to pay you. But Michael Alec and... He claimed a lot of his inner circle will call him a poser. And actually, a lot of people on the documentary were like, I didn't like Angel. And I get that. I mean, he was a drug dealer. Like, they're shady. I've known a few. And Mm -hmm. they're fucking shady. Well, it's hard because either they're, like, a user themselves, so they're also trying to make money to get their fix. Or also, they're, like, trying to make money. Yeah, I mean, the drug users aren't the most reliable people for getting money. And I'm sure you've... (laughs) known that I think we've talked mm. about this before but I there was this one who was a user and wanted to sell and, and he, he was just such a chameleon was so nice and he was so friendly I was just like you're irritating like you're over eager but like mm-hmm. it worked and then there's this one that came up to me in a club like in like 2009 and he was like do you want you know whatever and he knew some of the people that worked at the club that I was at and I he I, I felt like hitting on me or something and I was like no and he's like, you don't want and you can have it for free or whatever. And I was just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm really fucking controlling. Like, I, I can't, no. Mm. Like, just don't. Like, I'm like, no, you're just irritating me. Yeah. And I got, I, don't, I must have been drunk or something. Because I was like, no, you're irritating me. And he was like, I don't oh, want your free yeah. jacks. And he was like, you know, because that's how they get you. Like, you have a little free and then, you you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Classic. But then, like, we ended up kind of being like these, like, bar friends. Like, he would talk to me every time. And he would, he never once tried to sell me drugs after that mm-hmm. or get me. But he was like, oh, hey. Because I just, and I was like, I like this dude. And I really did. He was, and then he got busted and he's uh-huh. for life, you know. But, like, I, it, it's just such a weird to be a drug dealer you must be we almost have to be like personable yeah, like everybody you, has to like you and you gotta like oh you gotta find your niche like what kind of drug are you gonna be like the soft spoken like <laughs> or are you gonna just be like you know like <laughs> be like person. you gotta be a salesperson <laughs> yeah I'm like oh my god I'd be so tired I'd be like just buy them so I can nap I'd be like people would say no and be like okay I, yeah you would be I'd be the worst I'd be like I want a nap <laughs> Like, we just couldn't do it. Like, so uh, people called him a poser or whatever, and I don't know. Afterwards, after the murder and everything, like, Michael went on record several times saying, you know, in this inner circle, 
it, you know, there were cattiness where they, they would all insult each other, but there was like this underlying understanding of love. And I'm like, okay, I get that to an extent because that perfectly described me and a bunch of my friends. However, like you could always tell when one of us takes it too far or when you're not kidding. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So I can see it like if this kid was just getting, I feel bad. I, I feel bad for him. I mean, maybe because he died, but he was also a drug dealer. That kind of a... Sh- <laughs> maybe he was just like trying to fit in and he just didn't yeah. fit in with their circle. And you know, you, you, we never know his whole situation. I don't know that much about his family. People who go missing don't necessarily, especially like drug dealers and stuff like that, don't have their family looking for them. So I feel like he must have been pretty close to his family. Yeah. Maybe like helping them out with yeah. money. Yeah. And stuff. Which, I you mean, know, you never know. Which like from, mm-hmm. yeah. So by, anyway, so by March 1996, Alec's drug use was completely out of fucking control. And, you know, ketamine was a huge um, drug. Yeah, and I they, didn't realize it was like, you're in a K-hole. Oh, yeah. So he, ketamine, cocaine, um, you know, all the cl- club drugs. Like, K, K so I've done it. A lot of my friends, have, that was a good one. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I was never into drugs, but I, I wanted to try all of them, so I did, and, like, whatever. I mean, I, I don't condone recreational use for people who can do it safely. Like, it's not a good, you know, the legal, mm-hmm. the, like, that, the whole other thing. <laughs> That's but, the thing. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? But, like, I was curious. And, like, yeah, yeah, experiment. Yeah, fucking K is amazing. Okay, so what's a K-hole? Like, is it... So, I've never done it. I I think it's different for everyone different mm-hmm. because people react to different, right. you know, drugs. It was kind of like, for me, it I was like, what, like 10 minutes? I don't remember how long they lacked. Like, I was like anxiety. I was hyper aware. It was paranoia for me. Mm-hmm. Some people get like nauseous. Some people, like, it's a, a totally different thing. It's like the waiting period before you really start having fun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I kind of compare it to like morphine. And I have had morphine. And, Where you just like feel good. Yeah, but so I was in the hospital mm-hmm. when I had morphine. And they're like, okay, for 59 seconds, you're going to want to throw up. You're, you're going to salivate. You're going to sweat. And I did. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so horrible. And then, you know, pain medication. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah. It was like after a surgery. So I was like, this is great. But I, so I feel like K-holes are kind of like that version for ketamine. Right. So, like, once you hit it, you're yeah. in, like, that good and I, zone. Yeah. And I think a lot of other drugs have that, too. Mm-hmm. Or, I, like, it's weird, like, okay, we're ramping up. Um, mm-hmm. Again, don't do that if you can't be <laughs> Don't safe. do drugs. Yeah. Dare. <laughs> Dare. It failed. Um <laughs> Okay, so he was, he, I love this too, he graduated, or like, heroin. Heroin is just, I think heroin's more disgusting than meth. At least on meth you can be productive. Because <laughs> you'll clean a lot. Yeah, for, for, for a <laughs> short amount of time. They were um, doing heroin. They were mixing stuff before, you know, like an upper and a downer, you know, to mm-hmm. balance out. But I just feel like heroin would have just like completely eclipsed everything, yeah. you know. But maybe not, because we'll find out. So on dun, dun, dun. March 17th, 1996, Angel came to Michael Allen and Robert Friedman's apartment, and he was coming to collect an unpaid drug debt from Allen, which apparently had gone, get, gotten kind of big. He arrived, and he um, wanted to get his money, and Alec and Fried were there, and Alec was not sober, and they, um, he and Michael started fighting about this, and I think Angel had the upper hand on Michael. He seemed like he was maybe a little bit bigger or stronger or just... Colombian? Colombian, <laughs> you know, whatever. And 
So there was like, there's these accounts of that they were just fighting. There was other accounts of like somehow Michael had got injured and there was like glass, like I don't know if it was like a coffee table or like a vase or something. But he was in distress, so he called out for Freeze. And Freeze had, had said, like, yeah, I heard some stuff, but like, you know, people fight, you know. I guess that's the thing, physical fighting <laughs> on a Sunday. Whatever. So Freeze came and. Um, apparently Michael or allegedly Angel was strangling Michael so Freed hit Angel on the head three times with a hammer now at first I, I just assumed it was like the metal part of a hammer but later on it, it was just like the, the butt of it Oh, the, oh, I thought you were going to say the other side, like the where you take the nails out. I was like, oh, God, no. Yeah, no, it was, uh, the, the handle, the end okay. of the handle. The yeah, that's in, a little, that's like, it seems like he wasn't trying to, like, inflict. Yeah, like he was just, like, he, and that's what he said, like, I was just trying to knock him out. Uh, so he he came down three times with the the wooden part of the hammer. And then the account, the account from here just get fucking crazy. Um, so then... Like, Michael smothered Angel with a pillow or sweatshirt. He thought it was sweatshirt. Free thought it was a pillow. There was all of the, you know, like, oh, they injected Drano into his veins and poured it in his mouth and then duct tape his, duct taped his mouth shut. So, the one thing, I, I'm a little bit confused. I read, like, 450 fucking accounts of this. <laughs> I think they debunked that, like, injecting Drano into the dra- uh, Drano into his veins. I, but the whole Drano in the throat and then the taping, for some reason, I think that's true. And and someone correct me if I'm wrong, for real. Because I thought, if you did that, you're killing him, right? You can't fucking drink Drano. Yeah. And, and maybe I, you can. I, I, okay, are they, like, on drugs at this yeah, point, though? Yeah, okay, yeah. so it's almost like you're making sure he's dead? Yeah, but then they're like, no, we didn't want to kill him. We just thought he would, like... Get up, or we. Why would you duct tape his mouth shut? Even then, like, what if he can't breathe through his mouth? I don't know if that was true or not, but like, because if you drink bleach, aren't you dead? I don't know. I feel like you would die. I don't know. I guess I'm not. I'm not um, well read in murder. (laughs) Murder On drinking chemicals. (laughs) Yeah. So they. I think maybe the Drano in the mouth was for real. Mm -hmm. And then they they drained the bathroom. I don't know if they. They took... Oh, they... Well, for sure they took the shoes, but I don't know if they took... I think they took his clothes off, and he was in the bathroom, and, um... So they were... He was there for, like, a week, and they did try to do things about the smell with, like, chemicals, like, covering it up, and in that time, like, they had parties at their house, or people over, and so it's New York, and, um... Oh, my God, well, he's dead in the bathroom. Yeah, and, like, James James went over there, and he was like, what is that smell? And then Michael's like, oh, that's just the pipe smell. And he's, and he's like, I literally didn't even bat an eye. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's New York. Yeah. Then sometimes, ha- you know, and they were, you know, and then Alec was telling people like, oh, I, I, I cut up Angel in the bathtub. I killed him. Because like all of a sudden Angel was missing and people were looking for him. And, so but he was the, telling people that. Yeah. But the way he was saying it was really like... And I'm sure I told her, like, you're dramatic, you're going like, to make things up. Yeah, and I tell you shit, like, all the time. I like, you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when I'm just like, oh, Emily, I hate you so much, I wish you are dead. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going like, to cut you up and put you in the yeah, bathtub. I'm probably going to cut you up and, like, <laughs> mail your ear back to your mom. Oh, like, yeah. Just, like, uh-huh. you know, in that way that you're like... Good one. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but, like, but he was missing, so it was kind of weird, and people knew that they had beef. They didn't like each other. There was tension. And Michael was actually wearing Angel's boot, one of, a pair of clubbing boots, and he told 
um, Astro, another club kid, he was just like, who's not here? Like, look at these boots. Like, who's missing? Well, and then there was a count of James St. James. It was really weird because two guys said, like, the same story happened to them, which could have happened. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, who the fuck knows? Everyone wants to be like, I was the one that he he told told first, you know? (laughs) So... They did go around telling people, and there was, like, some rumors starting, but, like, everyone's just fucking whacked out of their mind. Like, how... Yeah. You know, if Like, what do you take as, like... Yeah. And if you're high yourself, are you just making the shit... Are you just tripping? Yeah. You're like, did he really say that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised no one looked in the shower, though. (laughs) Like, looked in the bathtub. Yeah, I'm like, do people have to go to the bathroom? I know. Like, there's no way. I'm maybe gonna go, that's like, what the couch was for. Yeah, maybe they didn't care because they were so high on heroin. They're just like, we're going to pee in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Freed purchased two chef knives and a cleaver from Macy's Ooh. after a week. And uh, he and Michael, they dismembered Angel. And they put him into a TV box. Oh, my God. Some said a suitcase. Some people said a TV box. I don't know if it's like a suitcase then into a box. And so what had happened, like, during this time... When after they called, killed Angel, they did all of the drugs, and he had money too. They bought like a new TV, they had a new cup, you know. Oh my god, how could you like not feel shitty about that? Like I just well, murdered this person, but so I'm gonna spend all of his money. <laughs> what they said, what Michael said, is that you know he's like I was so high on drugs. Like when they dismembered him, they like took like nine bags of heroin, or and I, he was so high on drugs, but he's like, but I made a decision to take drugs when I was sober so I guess that's not you know I'm like okay well you're kind of like oh good for you you admitted it you know so they dismember him and they um called a cab and they had the cabbie help them get the box with the trunk the, the guy drove him to like 25th street like they had the cabbie help them throw the <laughs> the box into the to the water and then oh the, thing, the thing is though he like and he, I guess he asked about like what was in it and they just were like oh it's just like old dishes and gross stuff we don't want anymore and apparently since you know New York which is a dumping ground for everything nobody batted an eye about throwing so shit the into river. the river it was like a really normal thing oh my or the bay god or whatever. Yeah. Like, can the, you imagine like there's a dumpster out back but just throw the river you know I mean, it's no mobster. Like, it's no mob. I you know? know, but, like, I can't believe the cab driver was just... And, uh, yeah, and, and in an interview afterwards, Michael was like, we were so stupid. Then we just gave him, like, a big tip, and then he had a... And then we had him drive us back. So he, like, knew where they lived. Yeah, and he was just like, oh, I was real dumb. The cab driver's probably just like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, six months later, uh, there's a group of kids at Miller Field in Staten Island. And it was right after, like, a tropical storm. And a box washes up to shore. And they were Good like, old, like yeah, they were like, ooh, like, children. Yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, no, it's just a- I love it when kids discover bodies. Yeah, it was just best. a dismembered. <laughs> so, up until the time, too, like, after his disappearance, like, Angel's family, they had been looking for him. The brother had been canvassing. He had been, like, uh, you know, missing missing signs. He had been posting those up all over. He'd been talking to a bunch of people and the police did not do enough. They didn't care. It's a fucking immigrant family. They, it's the 80s, like, this gay know, club it's kid. it's so sad. Like, it's so sad. He ran around with, like, you know, the riffraff. Mm-hmm. And it still was on today, honestly, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so they didn't really do anything. And what had happened is that, you know, he had gone down to the police station and they wanted a case started. They did, but they didn't do anything. But, you know, there were all these rumors going around and he didn't know what was happening. But I think he knew, like, Alec had something to do with it because there's all these rumors going around. And everybody was hearing about all this stuff in the scene. Mm-hmm. And they kind of figured Michael did it, but they didn't know. And things were kind of falling apart. Like, um, Peter Gation was arrested for letting drugs be installed in his Mm -hmm. club with knowledge and so they wanted all these people to like testify and everything and stuff like the whole scene was a mess at this point i do have to say like his brother like to go out and like look for your brother when you look identical oh except for their hair yeah i know i know i felt really bad like i can't even like that and what was really sad too is like he was fully aware that they were lost and dead to the police they didn't care yeah like, he knew that. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. He was like, if I want to find him, I have to do it myself. I know. I was like, that made I me know. Like cry. I know. Like, so, during that time, too, Michael Musto, Musto, I, I, I have been watching way too much of it. I don't know how any, I'm kind of glad this is over, because I've been in a fucking virtual K-hole for a week. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, he wrote a column in the Village Voice, kind of about all of these rumors. And he didn't name anyone by, like name but like everybody knew who he was talking about because mm-hmm. there were all of these theories and these rumors going around and um the police department did kind of get wind of that article and another body washed up in the harlem harbor by and it was discovered by like the homeless woman and that was when the police kind of were like okay we've got missing john doe torso and he was mislabeled as an asian male you know minorities we all look the same <laughs> And so, like, the police kind of started putting two and two, you know, together. And, and there were, like, good policemen, but they are also just, like, it was the 80s, you know. Like, I'm not going to knock police. I'm, I'm not going to do it, but some of the law enforcement agencies in the 80s, when, like, crime in New York was, we, like, we all know what I'm trying to say. They identified him, and, you know, all of the, all of a sudden, they, they needed Michael Alleg to come in for questioning because... They knew who was the. They knew who Angel was. You know, they knew everything, and so Alec launched his never fucking mind. Like just he fled New York, and he. I think he went back. He went back to Indiana, and you know he got sick, and they had to go to like a clinic for methadone with Gitney or whatever. Yeah, he went back to Indiana. He came back. He was in a hotel in New Jersey with um, another drug dealer named Brian, and the kid was interviewed. I don't know. What documentary, what footage I saw, but he just seems like the most bad human alive. Oh. And I, apparently he still struggled with heroin addiction, and I don't know if he did or not. Um, anyway, yeah. Sorry, real two things. I thought it was funny that when they said he, it took 15 days, to because they went to Denver first, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then back to Ben, it was like 15 days? Yeah. What were the fuck were they doing? They were driving real slow. Well, yeah, no, I know. But yeah, the sad guy who's like sitting with like the really tacky wallpaper. Yeah, I was like, where? What rooms are all these people? And like, like, I've never been left in my life. I know. I was just like, oh Jesus Christ! Like, wow. So they were in New Jersey with Sad Brian, and, <laughs> and they were you know strung out, and so they came in and they arrested. They arrested Alec on uh, December 10th, 1996. And they arrested Alec, and the, the arresting officer's like, I, I felt bad for him. He's like, he couldn't even stand up. He was just so out of it, you know? And and at the, they also, at the same time, arrested Freeze, and he 
confessed right away. He wrote, like, you could read his, like, self-written or his handwritten confession, which is pretty eerie. Maybe I'll pull part of it. I don't know. At first, they were really hesitant to charge Alec with first-degree murder because they wanted him to testify against Peter Gation because Peter Gation would be Oh, they wanted to get, charged. like, the big yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he and uh, Riggs, they got 10 to 20, and it, it was never a murder conviction. It was a manslaughter. And it's it really interesting because the last interview that I want or I listened to with him he always corrected the interview thing or interviewer like we were not charged for murder it was not a murder we killed someone and I was like oh okay so correct me if I'm wrong a murder is like premeditated, premeditated yeah. and manslaughter is like oops I hit him with my car and killed him yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and I'm and so there's like murder oops, like put bleach down yeah. his throat and or like, taped or his murder, mouth murder two is like I, I like did. worse I just <laughs> whatever yeah like or, no murder one is the worst because that premeditated murder two is like like you were thinking you, of yeah yeah, or like you could have stopped but you did I don't know I think they okay. want that anyway so he he was sentenced and at first he and uh, Freed they were the judge had or the the judge wanted them to stay together you know so here's the thing okay so he he went to jail and it was horrible he spent five years in uh, solitary confinement but during the time he did have interviews and what he said when he got out through some interviews is that and then he was pretty consistent in this is that he really did take advantage of all opportunities given to him through the system he's very impressed with the American um, system that they helped him and he learned a lot and I find that amazing in a way because he's this flamboyant gay man who could be you know he's little he's cute I thought he was cute mm-hmm. well that's the thing he's like a likable guy yeah but that that doesn't seem like he'd fare too well in prison. Like he'd you know Maybe beat someone bitch beaten into. Him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but he said like the, every opportunity that he was provided, he took or you know like to better himself, educate mm-hmm. himself, that kind of thing. Um, Freed was released in two thousand ten, and he became like some PhD. Like he, he's just like this crazy okay. smart guy, and he was like he, he when I looked at all the pictures, that was the one that I was drawn to. He was a real interesting intent. So he like I'm not sure. It was really weird. He became he didn't have any contact. He hasn't had contact with Michael. I don't think. I can't say he's any better. He wasn't the one who. I don't know. I guess more emphasis was on Michael, you know. Like, he got out in 2014, and he, you know, gave all these interviews, and that Ernie Glam guy, they had that Pew or Pew show, and, you know, the footage, I think it was from Glory Day. I don't fucking know at this point, where, like, James St. James went to meet him, and, like, he got... He didn't know anything about the internet. He was, like, this 90s kid, like... He would, he had like cheat sheets and cheat cards to like get him through, you know, everything was different. They drove him to Times Square and he was like, what the fuck is happening? Because there was no longer the cesspool of, you know, debauchery. Mm. It was like, Dorsey. And he <laughs> apparently, every time he used his cell phone, he would turn it off for days at a time because instead of just hitting buy, he, he would turn, turn it off. Yeah. They had to learn how to use like all of these things. And these interviews aggravate me because he's like, I've learned to forgive myself. I have to move forward. I'm like, maybe you don't get to forgive you. I don't think that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Part of his release deal is that he can't contact Angel's family in any way indirectly or directly. And so he did have these statements which were like kind of like he wanted you know, he's like, you know, hopefully closure or whatever and it's just like I kind of want to just say fuck you. They knew it was him so it's not necessarily closure. It's just like 
why the fuck did you do it in the first place? Yeah, like, and it just, you know, it's kind of shitty to be like, I forgive myself. Yeah, I like it took me, me a long time to forgive myself, but I did. I'm like, nobody, I don't care. I don't know that you forgive know. yourself. <laughs> and he was talking about like I don't know, like his art and like the future, and I. I and people really embraced him. They did. I mean, I got there's a few people who didn't want anything to do with him, but a lot of the cl- uh, they the club kids who are now like fifty. I mean, a lot of them went on to like well, like RuPaul, obviously, you know. Um, a lot of them went on to be producers and mm-hmm. fashion oracles, but a lot of them welcomed him with open arms. And I'm like, it was what, probably why? like their glory days. It was like yeah. Them. So then he he was on the Pew show, the YouTube show, and it was just like a caddy show, and uh, with Ernie Glam. And when it first began, it was like fine. Interviews when he first came out, a princess just sharp. He was sharp, and then it was just like he went downhill and he started doing heroin again or drugs again, and up ramblings on like the eyes, and I was just like, oh yeah. Like <laughs> then he was found. I don't know. I, 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 the whole thing made me feel icky. Was it 2020? Yeah, Christmas. Oh. And everyone's like, you know, it's isolated. He had been doing drugs again. It was COVID, like, having a hard time. Like, I don't care. Okay. (laughs) It was just such a weird case. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I did. Anyway, that is our little show. Sorry, I just got a video of my kid in a Batman costume doing karate moves. <laughs> Good ending to the episode. Yeah, so we're going to try to get on a better schedule. Mm-hmm. I think right after this episode, we need to make a list. Yes, let's do it weekly. Let's try and Yeah, we'll do it weekly. weekly. All right, thank you. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. You can follow us on... What do we have? Twitter, in- Twitter Instagram. Insta. Facebook, the Gmail. We have a Patreon. We haven't done shit. So it's all Rouge <laughs> at Rouge 45 Podcast, except for, I think, Facebook, just at Rouge 45. It's like Rouge 45 Podcast. And then the Gmail is at Rouge, or Rouge 45 Podcast at gmail.com. Please email us and suggest shit that we should yeah, do. Yeah, if there's anything you want to hear yeah. or us to talk about. Because we're going away from Minnesota a little bit, or I am. I mean, I we like are. I like kind of we'll like. We'll do have, anything. Have like kind of some Minnesota stuff. But I don't want to do like fucking Ted Bundy. Because like, who hasn't done that? Yeah. And like, I'm yeah. just going to go listen to other, you know. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> no one, one I kind of want to do with Richard Ramirez because I have this weird fascination. I don't know. I think you could. Yeah. We should do that sometime. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to try and do some like interviews here and yes. there. We should do that. So now that stay tuned can, for those I ones. I think so. Please. We'll have more new fun stuff. So fun follow things. us. Yeah. Listen, listen to our shit. Like us. <laughs> like us. Like us. We just want to be loved. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.